Check it out. We think it's going to be really terrific. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. We'll be looking at verses 28 through 30. Familiar verses of Scripture to many of you. In just a moment, we'll be reading them together responsively. But um, we're in a series called Captivated by Jesus. Worship Him. Be like Him. And the focus today is how Jesus helps us when we're running on empty. Some time ago, I was driving down the highway, and I looked at my gas gauge, and it was almost on E. And I said to myself, I should pull over to the nearest gas station and fill up. But I said it inside my head. And there was also another little voice that said, you know, if you got three more things done, after that, you could go get gas. You can fit it in. You can make it. 20 minutes later, I was on the side of the road, cars whizzing by, and I didn't make it. So I got out of the car, walked to the nearest exit, walked down the road to the nearest gas station, handed my license over to the gas attendant so they would give me a little container with two gallons in it, and I walked back. How many of you know that two gallons of gas over a mile can get a little heavy? I find myself on the side of the road, left hand, right hand, you know. I put two gallons of gas in the car and head back to the gas station so I can retrieve my license, get back the container, and drive away. I have never run out of gas since that day. It's imprinted in my memory. But here's what I think. I think that there's a lot of Christians who are running on empty. You're exhausted. You're running on fumes. And rather than taking the intentional time to refuel, we end up too often saying to ourselves, just a little bit more. Just, just next week, things will calm down and I'll be able to refuel. And we may do exactly that, but the reality is, too often, we just refuel and get a couple gallons and then we know that in a week or two or a month or two, we'll be back to that empty feeling again. And then what should be a situational environment becomes a lifestyle. And we find ourselves for a long period of time, even years perhaps, running on empty. We're just always this feeling of exhaustion and then we'll pull off to the side of the road, you know, emotionally, and go to a concert, or go to a special service, or dig back into having our devotions, and then we're off and running again. But we never have this feel feeling, this full feeling on the inside of us. We've actually now learned to run on empty. You know what the sad thing is? Some of us have actually run out of gas. We call that hitting the wall. I've hit the wall. 
I've spent time in a therapist's office talking about what the situations were that I hit the wall. And then I'd have to unpack it. Reflect. And come back to saying, I think God intends us to live within our God-given limits. Here's the question. How can you and I live with a full tank rather than always running on empty? Because Jesus promised us life abundant. He promised us that we would be able to handle enormous amounts of responsibility and still be able to thrive. That is the abundant life. The abundant life is not about gaining more material possessions. The abundant life is living within your God-given limits, doing the things that God has called you to do, living this kind of life where you're actually being filled with the Holy Spirit and able to handle the demands. And I'm going to get to this in just a moment. I'm just going to say it quickly, and then I'll come back to it. Jesus was the master at this. Jesus learned to operate with enormous levels of responsibility. And enormous pressures on him. And yet he seemed to do it effortlessly. How do you get there? What does that look like for you? I think I'm talking to a bunch of people that are just running, running, running all the time. You know why I think that? Because I struggle with that. And I think that there's a lot of you that are like, you know what, I'm just trying to make it through this week. Which brings us to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Would you stand? Because we're going to read it together. It's up on the screen. Responsive reading is just simply, or unison reading, I should say, is just simply all of us together looking at a scripture passage. So it's up on the screen. Let's read it together, okay? Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. How many of you would like to have a light burden as opposed to the heavy burden that you bear now? Join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, speak to us from your word, from the very lips of Jesus, deposit truth into our heart. And even more important than truth, help us to make application on a personal basis. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you can be seated. Jesus tells his disciples, he tells you and I, the three ways to get off of running on empty and to actually thrive emotionally and spiritually. The first way is just simply, come to me, Jesus says. You know, in the Bible, people came to Jesus all the time. I mean, they came to Jesus for healing. They came to Jesus to settle conflicts. They came to Jesus for his teaching. They came to Jesus to get fed. But Jesus specifically says, with all of the things that people are coming to him for, you come to me and I'll give you rest. And not just any old kind of rest. A soul rest. What do you do to get rest? 
Some people say, oh, I just like sleeping in. Great, nothing wrong with that. Some people for rest say, you know, I just, um, I'll go see a movie this afternoon. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people rest is like, um, let's go to our favorite restaurant. Great, nothing wrong with that. For some people, rest is, you know, I'm just going to go for a long walk and I'm going to unplug, not bring the phone with me. Totally get that. But can I tell you something? That kind of rest, though important, is not soul rest. And Jesus promises soul rest. So what Jesus is saying is, you don't need a plan, you don't need a program, you don't need a pill You need a person. And Jesus knows a guy. It's him. What does it mean to actually come to Jesus? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean becoming more religious. The context of these verses is Jesus is speaking to people who are religiously burdened down because they were trying to fulfill the Mosaic law. They were just good people that were trying to do everything that the law of Moses told them to do. And then, of course, by that time, religion, the Jewish law, had become this massive set of rules of do's and don'ts. And so you had good people that were like, okay, you know, the law says if I carry two figs in my pocket, I'm not breaking the Sabbath. But if I carry a third fig in my pocket, now I'm breaking the law of the Sabbath. And so I got to make sure that I don't have two and a half figs, I have two figs. That's what religion had been reduced to. And so you had these people that just thought, this is how I'm supposed to please God. Stay in my lane and obey the rules, the do's, the don'ts. And they were exhausted trying to be religious. The same is true today. I think church is great. I'll just tell you, to be honest with you, I, I think everybody ought to be in church every Sunday. But if you're looking to church to have a vital connection with Jesus, you may or may not be disappointed. Because going to church is sometimes like going to a restaurant. It doesn't guarantee a great meal. And it doesn't guarantee that it's nutritious and healthy. I mean, we do our best, right? But, but it's deeper than church. Soul rest. It's part of it, but it's deeper. I think serving and giving is important. I think serving as an usher, a greeter, a small group leader, I I think serving in the church is great, but serving in the church doesn't guarantee great intimacy. I think giving is important. Holly and I tithe. You need to know that, okay? We give 10% of our gross income, and we give to other things. but, But fulfilling those responsibilities and duties though they're important, it doesn't get us to this place of soul rest. You know what I'm saying? And so many of us do the right things for the wrong reasons because we've somehow become disconnected and made Jesus a concept or a set of principles and forgotten that it's of the person of Jesus that we come to, not those other things that we put our faith and stock into. So what does it mean to come to Jesus? Simply this. 
spend quality time with him. This is so simple. It literally means having your devotions. Your time alone with God, spending time with God, whatever you want to call it, it's carving out regular time in your day, in your week, to keep that vital connection going. So here's how it works for me. I have my devotions pretty much every day. Maybe once a week something will happen and I'll get off the rails, but pretty much every single day. And I usually spend 45 minutes to an hour. That's just me. I'm not putting that on you. That's just me. I have a Bible reading plan. I'm a pretty structured person, so Nav Press put out a number of years ago this Bible reading plan so that has four sections of Scripture. You read through them about 20 minutes a day, and then by the end of the year you will have covered the entire Bible. That's just, that's just my system. I'm not putting it on you. It's just me. And then I always have a time where I, I journal. I just write down something like this. Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me today? Because I'm listening and I'm open. And I have to tell you that it's not like it's like some lightning strikes or something. I mean, sometimes thoughts or impressions will come into my heart, but it's just like it's no huge revelation most of the time. And I want to tell you that because I think some of you think you haven't really had your devotions unless you hear this semi-audible voice of God. That doesn't happen to me all the time. Usually God speaks to me through impressions, through other people, through his word. So on Monday, I wake up and I'm heavy hearted. I'm not exactly sure why. But how many of you know that your emotions don't always cooperate and you just feel certain things and you're like, I don't even know why I'm feeling these. I'm just feeling them. So I woke up a little heavy hearted. I haven't even gotten out of bed. And I'm thinking about some things about this week, and I just feel heavy-hearted. And so in the middle of this, I hear this other little voice, so gentle. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy-laden, and I will give you rest. And I thought to myself, I didn't think that on my own. It was just a quiet little voice. So I went down to have my devotions, and I had this other thought. I'm laying aside what I typically do during my devotional time, and I'm going to take Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and I'm going to, on my you know, version app, I'm going to look up like 10 or 12 different versions, you know, New Living Translation, New International Version, King James Version, um, you know, the message, and I'm going to look down through all these translations, and a lot of them I'm just going to write out in my journal and just see kind of the differences between these verses. And then another little voice said to me, that'll preach Sunday. And I went, okay, I guess I have Sunday's message. So really what I'm talking to you about is actually what I got out of Monday. And you know what's interesting is is that I got up from my favorite chair and I just felt different. I don't know how to explain it. I just simply felt different. I felt lighter. Like whatever the week held for me, God had it. What would have happened if I would have blown off my devotions? Probably I just would have gone through the week heavy-hearted. 
Spending time with Jesus, the person of Jesus, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that's important. Number two, let go of control. Sometimes we are so overwhelmed, burned out, stressed out, that we begin trying to over-control situations. Maybe you're like this poor animal. I'm thinking that he was fine until one more package. And then it was like, the tipping point. Boop. Guess what? We laugh about that, but some of you feel that way. You feel like the burdens are so great that you just are like, I don't know. I'm up in the air. I don't know anything. So I have this bucket here, and this bucket is filled with water. And here's what I want to say to you before I give the illustration. Sometimes, because we care so much, Sometimes we literally take on too much responsibility. We overfunction, we overcontrol, whatever you want to call it. But God is calling us to resign as the general manager of the your universe. And He's calling you to say, Will we step back and say, What is my responsibility? What is somebody else's responsibility? What am I supposed to control? And what is somebody else supposed to control? And we need to be able to have that wisdom and discernment. Where do we get that from? We get it with spending more time with Jesus. Now, watch this. I put my hand in this water, I pull it out, there's no hole. I put my hand in this water. The water adjusts, I pull my hand out, and the water comes right back in, and there's no hole. Many of us say to ourselves, well, if I don't do it, no one else will. Everything is going to fall apart if I don't, and you fill in the blank. And what I want to say to you is this, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and sincerely, you are trying your best to figure out this whole life of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit rather than running on empty, the Lord will show you when to remove yourself and say, you don't need to control that. And you know what the amazing thing is that I have found through the years? Now, here's where my, my dysfunction comes out. As soon as I say this, I'm like, great, everybody's going to resign from every position in the church right? Because they're pulling back because, you know, I preached a message on it. I'm like, okay, okay, Mark. Through wisdom and discernment by being led by the Holy Spirit, we need to be able to know what we should pull back on and say, I'm over-functioning. I'm taking on other people's responsibility that I shouldn't be taking on. Letting go of control. What does that look like? Well, or how do you do it? Jesus gives a very simple answer. It is simply this. Become yoked with me. Let go of control. How do you do that? You get into my yoke. Now, the yoke, a yoke in the Bible is not, you know, the yellow part of the egg. The yoke in the Bible is a piece of wood that a carpenter would uniquely shape to put 
around an ox's neck. And back in ancient days in the agricultural society, what they would do is you'd have a pair of oxen, right, that would plow a field, and the oxen would both be in the yoke, and the yoke would have been shaped by a professional, a carpenter, because the carpenter would have come out, taken a look at your ox's neck, and said, okay, I need to just shave it off here, the wood, and shave it off there, so that it doesn't become bloody and rub raw, and it can pull the load. So what Jesus is saying is, when he says, put my yoke on you, come on, put, put yourself in my yoke, what he's, he's inviting you to partnership. He's inviting you to say, I'm on one side of the yoke, you get into the other side of the yoke, and some of you are thinking, well, that doesn't sound very restful to me. It sounds like more of a burden. Here's the irony. You get in yoke with Jesus, and the burden becomes lighter because now you have two that are pulling, not one. And by the way, one is stronger than you, and one never gets tired. And so what ends up happening is, is that if we will enter into partnership and exchange all the heavy yokes that we have picked up, all the things that are around our neck that are causing us anxiety and stress, we end up feeling lighter because now we have Jesus next to us and we're partnering with him. How many of you know that a pair of oxen can work a lot longer, faster, and are stronger than one just doing it on their own? That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is also saying that a yoke is an issue of control. Back in ancient days, when you put two oxes together, you know, a pair of oxen, they had to go in the same direction, right? Because they had to go in the same direction, they had to go at the same pace. Now, when you yoke up with Jesus, what he's really saying is, you're going to have to learn my rhythm for your life because I know your life better than you know your life. And you're going to need to know my pace. Many of us are exhausted emotionally and spiritually, and we just feel worn down. We're always running on empty simply because we are way ahead of God. And Jesus is saying, if you'll yoke with me, I will show you the pace that's good for you. This is an imperfect illustration, but I think it's worthwhile you ever go to Wawa or 7-Eleven, you see they have different size cups. I have seen that as a metaphor for people. There are people that have this size cup. There are people that have this size cup. And then there's people that have the big gulp. And that's just their capacity. God has gifted some people to carry a lot more responsibility than others. And then there's other people that they just kind of have a smaller cup. It's not right, it's not wrong, it's not good, it's not bad. Don't put a value system on them. It's just, I know how God has uniquely made you. And there's nothing harder than somebody who's looking at somebody else saying, I want to be a big gulp, and so they try to be a big gulp, but actuality, God made them to be just a regular size. Learn to live within your God-given limits. Three, Let Jesus teach you how. Let me teach you, Jesus says, because I am humble and gentle at heart. So two things come to mind when I I think about this scripture immediately. The first is the word learn. 
Learning implies letting go of perfectionism. You see, we want to do things right or we don't want to do them at all. And so we get tripped up spiritually because, you know, if it's worth doing for the Lord, it's worth doing right. Or we don't want to do it at all. And so many of us continue to have false starts spiritually because we promise the Lord we're going to have our devotions every single day. And week three, we're off the rails again. And then we don't want to be a hypocrite, so we decide we're not going to have our devotions at all. That's perfectionism. Jesus says, let me teach you. Learn from me. So you're going to make lots of mistakes in the Christian life, right? It's okay. Make lots of mistakes. Those of you who have little children, you know that it's a process helping your children learn to walk. There's bumps, bruises. You know, your child hits the corner of the coffee table. And there's always a problem, and there's always crying. First service, we had a little boy who ran straight into the glass, boom, fell off of the glass. He gets up, and he's crying, and I'm like, what do I do? I'm starting service. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But, I mean, it's just part of life, right? I mean, as you grow and mature, you'll fall less and you'll do better, but let go of the yoke of perfectionism. Be a student. Learn. It's over a lifetime. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. The second thing, though, that stands out to me is how Jesus says, I am humble and gentle in spirit. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is the best teacher because he tailor makes lessons for you. Which means you and I can let down our guard and just be us. Because Jesus is humble and he's gentle. So I have this friend who learned to swim the hard way. Their instructor took him out into a boat, threw him over the edge of the boat, and said, Go. And my friend is flailing their arms, you know, kicking and screaming and everything. And they got exhausted in about 15 minutes. And the instructor pulled them back up, got them all settled again, threw them out again and said, go. And that's how my friend learned to swim. Not the greatest instructor. I got to tell you, Sometimes we carry over our bad experiences to the Lord. And we're like, well, well I, don't, I don't know, maybe it'll be. Jesus is humble, and he's gentle at heart. He comes alongside of you, and he knows exactly what will motivate you. He knows exactly what you need. And part of you letting go of control and part of me letting go of control is to say, okay, I'm going to allow Jesus through his Holy Spirit to teach me. And I'm going to stop trying my own ways. And I'm going to relax. So what does Jesus want to teach you? He wants to teach you to handle more responsibility in a grace-filled manner. I want you to think about it. No person has ever experienced more pressure than Jesus. Crowds constantly sought him out. Diseased, dysfunctional people were constantly searching for him for a healing. He was constantly up against the most powerful religious force in that society and the most powerful empire in the world, the Roman government. Jesus was maligned. He was slandered. He was tortured. His death, 
I mean, the Romans had a PhD in death, right? They knew how to do it. Nobody killed like the Romans. How did Jesus handle all of it throughout the course of his life, his death and resurrection? Let me throw out a couple things in ending. First, he spent a lot of time talking to his father. We should do the same. Mark 1.35, Jesus got up early in the morning and went out to pray. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus spent all night in prayer. You know what? It's great if you spend 10, 15, 20 minutes a day in prayer. I totally get that. But there are seasons of your life that you've got to press in. Martin Luther, father of the Protestant Reformation, used to say there were seasons in his life where he said, I have so much to do today, I have to spend an extra hour in prayer. You know what we say? I have so much to do today, I'm cutting my prayer life down so I can get, get everything done. Luther looked at it the opposite. Oh no, I've got to spend more time. Because when Luther was in prayer, he and the Holy Spirit would figure out what he needs to do today and what he doesn't need to do today. And how many of you know, listen, every time management book will tell you this. You're in business, right? Every business time management book will tell you that the best thing you can do is to take the first 30 minutes of your day in the office, close the door, and get organized for the day. Because how many of you have found, even at work, that you get involved in a conversation or you get involved in a project, and halfway through the, com- the conversation or project, you're thinking, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I just blew 45 minutes. You do that twice in a day, you blew an hour and a half. If you would have spent 30 minutes, you would have reclaimed an hour and a half, right? Jesus can help you prioritize. Jesus also spent time meditating on God's word. Um, Luke chapter 24, 24, verse 27 is a beautiful passage of scripture because it's actually the first Easter evening when all the disciples are disillusioned about Jesus' death on the cross, and then they hear these stories of Jesus being raised from the dead, and the Bible says they don't know what to think about that. And there's these two disciples of the wider circle. So you know, Jesus had 12 disciples, but then there was a broader 70 disciples, and then there was the 500. Sometimes we forget about the 70 and the 500. We just always go to the disciples as 12, okay? So there's these two disciples that are one of the two of the 70, that are on the road to Emmaus, and they're, they're walking out there. They're all disillusioned. They can't believe Jesus is dead, been crucified. Jesus shows up. He's in his resurrected body. They don't recognize as Jesus. Jesus comes up alongside. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? They pour out their hearts to Jesus about Jesus, not knowing it's Jesus. We thought that he was the one. We thought that he was the one that was the Messiah, and so on and so forth. And then Luke 24, 27 says these words. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know what that means, right? Jesus started in Genesis, and then he went to Exodus, and then he went to Leviticus, and then he went to Deuteronomy. And then he went to Joshua and Judges and Ruth. Jesus took every single book of the Old Testament to the prophets, and he just went through, and he goes, see there in Genesis? That refers to me. How could Jesus do that? Because Jesus had saturated himself in the Word of God. How could I hear this voice on Monday that says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you don't know the Word of God, you can't hear the Word of God. 
when you need the Word of God. Three, how did Jesus handle enormous pressure? He said and did only what the Father told him to say and do. I love this from John 12, 49. Jesus said, I do not speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. You know why Jesus had authority? Because he was a man who lived under authority. And everything Jesus said and did, he got from the Father. So here's what I think. I think that you and I constantly have to have this connection. It's not always perfect because, remember, we're learning. But the more connected we are with Jesus on a regular basis, the more we keep going back and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to organize my day? The more we're vitally connected to Jesus, the more we realize our own God-given limits. What can we control? What can't we control? What's my responsibility? What is somebody else's responsibility? What do I need to take my hand out of and everything will form back in? Or what do I need to keep my hand in to make sure it keeps going? We call that being led by the Holy Spirit. And the more you can lean into that through the years, that concept of being led by the Holy Spirit, the better you'll be able to handle all the stresses of your life and you'll be able to get off of running on empty. I think I'm talking to some people today that are on fumes, just running on empty. Maybe I'm talking to people that are like, you know, when, when you're in high school and just learning to drive or in college, you know, you'd put $3 of gas in the car and that'd get you another two, three days. And then you put another two, three dollars and you like never filled up because you never had 30 bucks all at one time. I think some people spiritually live like that. And they're just going from this to this, but they never have the full feeling of being tanked up. That's the abundant life that Jesus called you to. It may take a while to get there. It's very imperfect, but that's what God has called you to. Would you stand, please? Early in the service, we had people step out on the aisle, students and everybody involved in school. I'd like to give another invitation, the same exact thing, stepping out into the aisle. If, if while I've been working through sharing about Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus' words, If something has resonated with you and you're like, you know what? I've got to give this burden over to the Lord. I don't know what it is for you. But if you feel like you need to let go of control and you want to come to Jesus and you're committing to go, I I just got to let go of this. It's killing me. It's all I think about. Step out in the aisle and we're just going to have a prayer time together. Just do it right now. Step out in the aisle and say, I want to give this, whatever this is, to the Lord. Lord Jesus, These are brothers and sisters who don't want to run on empty anymore. I mean, there may be seasons in which 
there's a temporary feeling of being overwhelmed. That's just the way life is sometimes. But we don't want to make that a lifestyle because you've called us to something better. So God, today, would you give brothers and sisters that are in these aisles the courage to let go of control and place back in to your hands a burden that they are carrying. Additionally, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to navigate what burdens we're supposed to carry that are ours, our responsibility, and what burdens we should let go. Give us, teach us that kind of wisdom. Lead us through your word and through your spirit. Give us direction to navigate those types of situations. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your Labor Day.